What's up, YA? Yeah. Woo! You guys good? You look great. Okay. Ready for church? All right. Enough small talk. If you have your Bibles, get your Bibles out. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That's where we're going to be for pretty much the entire night. If you're a note taker in here, this is your dream because I'm going to give you the title right now within the first 20 seconds. Write this down. I was built for this. I was built for this. This is week two of our series called Two. How do you like that? Right? All right. I was built for this. Last week, Jesse talked on the subject, I win when you win. Tonight, we're talking about I was built for this. And this is a leadership series, but make no mistake, this is a different kind of leadership series than any that you've ever heard because we're talking about what it looks like to play the number two role in a number one world. And we're asking very, very sobering questions. Questions like, what if God's plan for you is actually not the driver's seat? What if God's plan for me is actually not captain, right? What if God's hopes and dreams and plans for your future is not CEO and not the boss, not the Michael Scott of your company, right? Not the quarterback, not the captain, not the first chair. And what if that's actually like a really, really good thing? Like, what if he designed me way more like David's best friend, Jonathan, from the Bible? What if I'm way more like Jonathan than I am like David? And what if you're way more like Moses' brother Aaron from Exodus than you are like Moses? And what if that's all part of his plan? What if God built you for a specific lane, and what if that's not the number one lane? And what if he, being a divine architect with a beautiful vision, not just for his kingdom, but for you also, actually engineered it that way because we live in a number one world like everybody reads exodus and thinks they're moses just like every guy reads harry potter and and sees himself as harry right like nobody's like oh i really see myself in neville or ron like every guy's like no i'm harry like no girl dreams about being prim when she reads the hunger games right Nobody's dreaming about being prim. No guy in here, I promise you, watches those movies and is like, yeah, I kind of want to be PETA. I want to be PETA. I'm not talking books. I'm talking the movies, okay? (laughs) Like, I'll take being like any other guy in that movie before PETA any day. Like, who's, who's the really cool guy who gets, like, brutally killed by the mutant dogs in the fourth movie? Who am I talking? Finnick? Finnick? Yeah. Like, I'll take that even with that unhappy ending over being PETA any day of the week, for real. But, like, everybody reads David and Goliath and thinks they're David, right? And I think that's a good thing, but the book of Hebrews also is very quick to point out that Jesus is actually the greater David in the metaphor of that true story. Jesus is the greater David and he conquers the giant of sin and death in order to save us. So in that metaphor, if Jesus is David and sin is death, then who does that make us? That makes us the Israelite army in the back behind David going, get him, David, get him. Do the slingshot thing, kill him, please. He's gonna get us. Like we're the Israelite army behind David in that metaphor, at least according to Hebrews. But, but here's the thing. Jesus is the greater David. Jesus is God. We are designed in God's image. Therefore, I think that's why we see ourselves in David, and I think that's good, and I think that that's right. In fact, I think you should because, because of the greater David, because of Jesus, you are more than a conqueror. You are an overcomer, and you should act like it. You have his permission to act like it. But let me ask the question that you've never heard asked 
during any leadership sermon or seminar ever? What if the goal is not to be David or Moses or even Harry Potter or Katniss? What if the goal is actually to be who God designed you to be? What if the goal is for you to run in the lane that you were built for? And what if that role was a key piece in a much larger puzzle? What if the person God built you to be was a necessary and vital part of a larger body called his church? What if there was more thought and effort and love put into designing you than you will ever know about? Right? Like we might live in a number one kind of world full of positions and molds that we glamorize and chairs and, and, um, and spots that we sometimes idolize and build up and, and we call them like, oh, that, that position, that's the dream. That's the ultimate right there. But understand, God does not do that. God has no ranking the way our world has a ranking. All he has are uniquely beautiful and vital parts in a, in a larger workmanship that he prepared in advance for us to do as his sons and daughters who are more loved and chosen than we will ever dare to even imagine. That's you and that's me, and I'm going to prove it to you right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 1, we're going to read out of the message version tonight. And this is the Apostle Paul. Here we go. What I want to talk about now is the various ways God's spirit gets worked into our lives. This is complex and often misunderstood. I love what Paul says. He's like, a lot of people don't understand this. But we do. But I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. He's saying a lot of people don't get the concept that we're going to talk about tonight at young adults. But if you can, if you can understand this and let this sink in, it will free you up. And I mean that with all my heart. Free you up to be who God built you to be. Skip ahead to verse 4. God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. They all come from the same God. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's spirit. They all come from the same God, once again. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere. So you see it, leaders in church, workers in the business world, politicians, stay-at-home moms, dads, graphic designers, firefighters, right? Everywhere. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. And this is where it gets even cooler right here. Listen, each person is given something. You're given something, and I am as well. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. I love that. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it, and everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit and to all kinds of people, and the variety is wonderful. And so tonight, here's the question I want to ask. It'll be up on the screen. I want this question to be the phrase or the question that is still in your brain 10 years from now after you've heard a thousand other sermons. And here's the question right here. Who did God design me to be? If you have your journal, write that in your journal. Who did God design me to be? Because he knit you together in your mother's womb and knows every day, every detail of every day that you have on this planet. This God, the Alpha and the Omega, the one who knows the beginning from the end, Jesus Christ, right? The one whose name is victory, the one who created everything, including you, Jesus Christ, the one who decided not to give up on you and never will give up on you, this God. Who did this God design you to be? Because you might not like parts of who you are or how you think or how you look, how you look or what you're good at what you're bad at, features that you have, your hair curly or straight, what your dreams are, how you go about doing things, you know, but God does. 
You might not be very fond of yourself, but God is obsessed with you. For God so loved you. And he created you exactly the way that you are and, and painted exactly what he wanted to paint on the canvas of your life. And you ought to be careful about how you think or talk about another artist's work. You're designed in a specific way for specific reasons. And if you can honestly assess that, honestly, and then humbly fill that lane, what you're going to find is yourself caught up in the biggest story, contributing to the biggest and greatest mission alongside people who are just as sold out for the kingdom of heaven as you are. And in that lane, you'll be able to honestly say with all the confidence in the world, I was built for this. I was built for this. And that's been my prayer for you all week. I was built for this. Who did God design you to be, right? So I have like a vivid memory of like over a hundred times growing up hearing this question, you have too. What do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be when you grow up? And I love that question. I also think it's kind of funny to like ask that questions to ask that question to little kids. Like, son, you're going to be six next year. What's your 30-year plan? Where do you see yourself when you're 36? Debt-free? Do you even know how to check your credit score? What are your non-negotiables in a spouse? Oh, you still think girls have cooties? Awesome. Who do you want to be? What do you want to do when you grow up, right? And I'd say, I don't know, considering the fact that I still have a bedtime, I probably should not be answering that or trying to figure that out right now. Like, I'm just, I'm just focused on getting on the right bus when school's over, okay? I, can, I get it wrong like twice a week. I'm a little stressed and I have a lot going on between recess and baseball practice. Talk to me in 10 years. But when I was little, I, I, like, I have a vivid memory of first grade. We had to draw what we wanted to be when we grew up and I just drew, I, I wanted to be, I, like I either answered the question, a baseball player, a basketball player, a football player, or just a rich guy. Like, if that, I, I say, like, is that just like an option? Can you just choose that? Obviously, that's the right answer. Why isn't everybody picking that if you can just choose being a rich guy? I, I, draw, I drew it myself, and I was like a stick figure surrounded by a bunch of $100 bills with like a white tiger and a chocolate waterfall and a Ferrari. Just like, why is nobody else choosing rich guy? Like, this is awesome. My best friend, Ethan, when he was little, he got asked that question, what do you want to be when you, grew up, when you grow up? And with all the confidence in the world, he said, a dinosaur. A dinosaur. <laughs> And his teacher, like, encouraged it. Like, yeah, you can do that, you know? Like, she didn't, like, think to say, like, hey, buddy, that's, like, that's not a thing. You can't do that. That is, in fact, an animal and an extinct animal. You can't, you have to pick something else. You can't be a dinosaur. <laughs> what do you want to be when you grow up? And with all my heart, like, I love that question because I love goals. And uh, I think your imaginations, like, one of the most important things that you own. Um, but I also wonder about that question because first of all, it kind of indicates that the purpose for your life is a lot more like a destination you'll always be trying to reach rather than a journey that you're actually living out today. But also, I wonder if the fruit that we bear in our lives and the peace that we experience while we bear that fruit, I wonder if that would go up in volume if instead of asking ourselves, what do I want to be when I grow up, we asked ourselves, who did God design me to be? Who did God design me to be? And how can I be that? God designed you to be a specific tool 
in his hands that he is using to build his kingdom. And so we're going to use our divine imaginations for just a couple minutes right here. And we're going to do, do story time really quick. And um, <laughs> right here, I have some, some little tools, okay? I have a little hammer. There's a hammer. I have a little saw. So adorable. I have a little tape measure right here. I, how, did, I, how did this tool get in here? I swear I did not put this tool in here. I don't know. Guys, I mean, it is a toolbox. That's where tools go, so... That contributes in no way to this sermon. I just had to do it. So now, divine, <laughs> you guys have to stop laughing and let me do this illustration. Divine imagination hats on right now. So imagine while these tools are little, the toolbox like asks them, like little tools, what kind of tools do you want to be one day when you're bigger tools? <laughs> What kind of tools do you want to be when you grow up? <laughs> and imagine, imagine like the hammer goes, when I grow up, I want to be a saw. And the saw goes, when I grow up, I want to be a hammer, right? And the tape measure's like, when I grow up, I want to be a dinosaur, right? And like tape measure, that's not a thing. You can't do that. <laughs> oh, man, because... Let's be honest about our generation just for a second because all of us are in our generation, okay? Um, and this is a blanket statement, okay? This is not true for every individual person in this room, but this is the reality of our generation, okay? If these little tools are little millennials in the metaphor, this is the reality of our generation that we've been told that we're special our entire lives, we got trophies for coming in last place. We got blue participation ribbons just for showing up, right? Some of us passed the class or made varsity, not because we earned it, but because our parents complained, right? Like, we, like the air that we breathe is you can do anything you want just because you want to do it. You can be anybody you want to be just because you want to be it. You can have anything you want just because you want to have it. That was the air We've breathed in our entire lives, but then we grew up, right? That was the Mario sound for growing up. Transition from little tools to, I have a big toolbox here, to big tools. <laughs> Divine imagination hats back on. So imagine the hammer grew up, okay? Imagine the saw grew up. Imagine the tape measure grew up, and oh my gosh, how do all these tools just continue <laughs> to get in the toolbox? Yep. This is a power tool, is what this is. Tool puns are so easy, right? Nailed it. You guys like this bit? This is one of my favorite human beings in the world, and so I can, I can tease him. <laughs> but let me ask you this right here. What was this designed to be? This was designed to be 
a hammer, right? Like this is, this is an incredible, incredible invention. It really is. Like this didn't just happen. One day, some dude looked at the world and said, you know what? The world needs a hammer. And that guy sat down and specifically designed this to do very, very specific things. And the same thing is true with this saw. Like this is brilliant. This box is full of things that are perfectly designed to do amazing things, okay? You can't build a house with just a hammer. You can't build a house with just a saw but put all these tools together and in the hands of a skilled carpenter, you get where I'm going with this? In the hands of a skilled carpenter, these simple machines that were designed to do specific things can build incredible things, right? This is a picture of us. We are God's workmanship. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10. For we are his workmanship, see? We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. And so you are God's workmanship. God doesn't need us, but God wants us. And God has chosen to partner with us to build his kingdom in this plan- on this planet, which, by the way, is the purpose of your life, in case you didn't know that. God thought, okay, there's these things that I want done, so I'm gonna design people in a specific way to accomplish those things. The same way some dude all those years ago got up to build a house and realized, okay, there's a need. I see a need. We need a hammer. And so he sat down and he specifically designed a hammer to fulfill that need. And in the same way, God's looking back at his kingdom going, okay, there's a need here. There's a need here, there's a need here. Okay, I'm gonna choose you because I love you to partner with you and and design you in a specific way so that I can do specific things through you, right? Like you are not an accident. You might have surprised mom and dad, but you did not surprise the divine trinity, right? You are not an accident. You are here on purpose for a specific reason. You are fearfully and wonderfully made and your strengths are not for nothing. Even your shortcomings are not for nothing. You have a purpose, you have a design and my challenge to you tonight is to rather than consult yourself on how you were designed, you start to consult the designer about how you specifically were designed. And so, because you're built in a specific way, and designed to play a very, very specific part. Like, hey, let's just do this. Imagine, imagine like if this saw like grew up one day, is now an adult saw and, uh, saw, and this saw still decides that it wants to be a hammer, right? Like, I just kind of want to be a hammer. And the carpenter picks it up and is about ready to use it for what you're supposed to use a saw for, which is cutting wood. But the saw says, ah, I don't really want to be used for that because that really doesn't seem glamorous to me. You know, I'd really rather be a hammer. And so the, the divine engineer, the very, very patient carpenter says, okay, I'll use you as a hammer. And the carpenter grabs the saw What just happened? Very little fruit and a lot of frustration, right? Very little fruit and a lot of frustration. So now imagine the, the tape measure starts thinking the exact same thing. Like, yeah, I don't really want to be a tape measure. You know, in the tool world, they're kind of, everybody's talking about how being a hammer, that's kind of, that's like the number one chair. That's like the most glamorous thing to do. So carpenter, divine engineer, use me as a hammer also. And the very patient carpenter says, okay, and picks up the tape measure and goes, I mean, I'll give it my best shot. And... 
I'm trying here, tape. I really am. What happened? Little to no fruit at all and a lot of frustration. Little to no fruit at all and a lot of frustration and certainly no house being built, right? Do you remember that cool verse that we looked at in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6? Here it is again. Each person is given something to do. Each person has a very, very specific purpose. Given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits when everyone embraces who God designed them to be. So the, can't, the, the, the hammer can't really fully embrace its purpose of being a hammer if the saw doesn't embrace being a saw, right? Can't really embrace being a hammer unless the screwdriver and unless the tape measure embrace what they were designed to do. So you and me, we are built in a specific way. You're going to hear me say this a lot. I'm not stopping. A specific way and designed to play the part that God built you to play. And I'm going to be really bold right now, and I'm going to say something to all of us, including myself, okay? And not to, like, not to insult anybody's intelligence. This is for all of us in here, including me. But you can't do anything you want to do just because you want to do it. That's not the divine design in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You can't be anybody you want to be just because you want to be it. You can't have anything that you want to have just because you want to have it. And neither can I. If that was true, I'd be in the NBA right now. I really would. With all my heart, growing up, I wanted to be that so bad, an NBA player. But what happened? I grew up to be a five foot ten white guy. Okay? And God in his divine sovereignty decided not to bless me with any sort of basketball skills, right? So I could practice harder than anybody else on this planet. I could get my Rudy Rudiger spirit on for the next 10 years. It doesn't matter. I am not playing in the NBA ever, okay? I'm not playing. I can't be that just because I want to be that, all right? I can't be the next American Idol, Okay, I don't really want to, but let's just say I wanted to. I couldn't be the next American Idol just because, you know, I believed in all my heart that it's for me and I want to do that, right? I really can't. Like, for me to, for me to say I'm the next Justin Bieber is like, that's crazier than that hammer literally popping to life and saying, I'm a saw, right? <laughs> Why? Because I have a subpar to mediocre singing voice on a good day. And the only one who enjoys hearing me sing is God, and that's because he's morally obligated to enjoy it. <laughs> oh, man. But exhibit A, thousands of people who try out for American Idol every single season, like show up, and with all their hearts, with all their hearts, they want to be, man, the next American Idol. Like, this is for them. I want to do it. I can do it because I want to. And then they show up and they audition and then Simon Cowell says, that was bloody awful. <laughs> Pardon my British, but that's just a quote. <laughs> and they go home sad and discouraged and kind of angry and bitter and even like confused. And Simon could be nicer than he is, right? But what is he, like what's the the Christian version of what Simon said there. If we translate that, Simon would be saying, hey, this might, not be, this might not be who God designed you to specifically be, right? But if Simon said that, they wouldn't have a 
a TV show. This might not be who God designed you to specifically be. All right, and we hear that, and we can, we can, we can outside of context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the divine design that God has set up, we can hear that and think, well, that's so offensive to say something like that, that that's not how God designed you to be. That is so, so offensive. And the most horrible thing that you can say, right? To think, like, outside of the context of this divine design con, uh, concept, hearing something like that is like, well, so you're telling me that God did not design me to do A? Well, that sucks. Like, the heck, God? Why didn't you design me to do A? But in the context of this, that woe is me persona immediately switches to, wait, so you're telling me that there's a God out there who designed me and loved me and built me to do B, C, and D? Like, are you kidding me? That's awesome. That is ridiculously cool. See, if this saw is not careful, it's going to be sad and bummed and angry for the rest of its life that it can't do what hammers do. And that whole time it's going to completely miss out on the fact that it actually can do what saws do very well. Like very, very well. That like the hammer and the tape measure, it's also an incredibly designed tool created to do its own amazing things to fruitfully contribute to a project that is bigger than itself. And if you and I are not careful also, all you'll hear tonight outside of the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is, so you're telling me I I can't do anything I want just because I want to do it? You're telling me I can't do anything, I can't be anything I want just because I want to be it. And if you're not careful, you'll go home sad and you'll completely miss the fact that there are things, if there are things that you weren't designed to do, then by default that means there are things that you actually were designed to do. And that's incredible that the God of everything designed you to do specific things. So don't be mad about what you can't do and fail to do what you can do, right? Don't be mad about what you can't do, that you fail to do what you can do. Because this is not about you, or not about me anyways. This is about Jesus Christ and his kingdom and us contributing what we've been given back to him to build his kingdom. Which means that we need you because there's only one of you. I don't know if you're picking up on that yet, but there is nobody else in this entire world who is like you with the passions that you have for the specific things you're passionate about and the burdens that you have that keep you awake at night and the the gifts and the talents that have been intrinsically woven into you. There is only one of you. And so please, 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 please don't hold yourself back from us because you're a tape measure that's mad that it's not a screwdriver. You see, I, I hear this message and I need it personally. Um like every day, uh, we'll just call it every day. It's pretty much every day. Um, because when it comes to teaching people about Jesus, and I can only use an example from my own life, when it comes to doing this, teaching people about Jesus, I happen to work with some of the most talented communicators in the entire world. And I, I don't say that lightly. And every week, and it happened last night, every week when I prep for sermons, that temptation for comparison rears its ugly face and I start to, to kind of wish that I was a little bit more designed like each of them were, right? Like I kind of look to the, 
to the left and to, to, the, to the left and to the right. I was doing, I was doing your left. I start looking to the left and to the right and start wishing like, man, I wish I was a little bit more like that or a little bit more like that. Like, man, that person, that person is way more dynamic than I am, you know? That person's way cooler than I am. Actually, they're all cooler than me, you know? That person knows so much about the Bible. And yeah, I'm funnier, but they're so much smarter, you know? <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm gonna get in trouble for that because that's like the one that like we all want, you know? God help me because that's true. But that kind, of, that kind of comparison, okay, where I am unauthentically building up my coworkers and friends by beating myself down, wishing I was not the way I was, wishing I was more like them. You have to understand, that's not humility. That is not humility beating yourself down for the way that God designed you to be. Or talking about the, the strengths that he gave you as if they're nothing. That is not humility. That's actually a weird form of pride. A weird form of pride that masks itself as humility, right? That has you thinking only about you. Like I'm looking to the left and like, oh man, I wish I, like, I was more like that. Or like, to the right and like, man, I wish I was, I was more. Like that's not humility. That's actually offensive to the engineer who designed you the way that he perfectly knit you together in your mother's womb. You ought to be careful about how you talk about the divine engineer's work because he looks at you and he says, man, nailed it. Nailed it, nailed it, nailed it, nailed it. Created you exactly how I wanted to create you. So be careful about how you talk about the engineer's work because you are a product. You, not the person next to you, not me, not your best friend, not your roommate, not your brother, not your sister. You are a product, a direct product of God's genius and creativity. You were created to fill a need. You were created to be that person, created to be you, and we need you, so please be you because you're amazing just the way you are. See? You're being generous because I talked bad about myself just five minutes ago. But it's true. God looks at you and says, man, I crushed it. God looks at you and says, man, I crushed it. All right? Man, that's good. And here's the really good news. When you fill your lane that he designed you to run in and you embrace the place that God has for you and step into what he designed you to be, do you want to know what you experience and do you want to know what happens? You bear a lot of fruit and you experience peace while you do it. You bear fruit and you experience peace while you do it. When you live in your design, you will bear fruit. And you will do it with peace in your heart. And I promise you, that's what you're really after. More than a different lane. More than different traits or different strengths. What you're really after is a life full of purpose where you bear fruit and you make a difference and you feel like peace.
peace deep in your heart that I was built for this and this is exactly what God put me on this planet to be. And I'm not trying to be somebody greater than who God made me to be because the world happens to think that no, this is how you should do it or that chair is special or that's what we glamorize or even idolize. Fruit and peace. And as God's sons and daughters, you were built to bear fruit and you were built to be at peace with God and with yourself. Like, did you know David's best friend, King David's best friend in the Bible, Jonathan, he was actually the rightful heir to the throne of Israel. He was King Saul's son, right? The prince of Israel with the option available to him of taking that number one chair. And everything about the world would say, Jonathan, obviously that's the chair that you should take, right? I mean, you're a great leader. Everybody loves you. You're a man of God. You're a notable and brave warrior. You're a general in the army. Like, obviously, Jonathan, you should, you should take that chair. But with the self-awareness and humility, unlike there's like a few places in the Bible, in my opinion, where you see self-awareness and humility, like what you see with Jonathan and what he did. Because Jonathan, people said, take the job. And he said, I think, you know, I could. I could do it. And I think I actually could do a decent job. But Jonathan had the awareness to stop and ask himself, but is this what God designed me to do? Is this what he designed me for? Or did God design me to play a number two in a number one kind of world and to build another human being up and be confidence for that person so that together we could do more for the kingdom of God and for history than I could ever do on my own. And so Jonathan, with the baton in his hand, gave it to David, and history is better because of it. And you could say, well, yeah, that's because David was a better number one leader, and absolutely. But I would also say it's because David was spoiled as to have such a good number two that he was able to do that. Ben, you guys can come to the stage. At the Red Conference uh, a few months ago, you heard our lead pastor, Sean Johnson, kind of tell the story about how Red Rocks Church started. And it was actually not Sean who started the church. It was Scott Brugman, um, Chad's older brother. Scott moved out to Denver by himself to pray and to fundraise and do all the unglamorous behind-the-scenes work, blood, sweat, and tears work to start Red Rocks. And he had the right to the number one chair, just like Jonathan did. But Scott, and this is the DNA, this, is, this makes me proud to call this church my home. And this isn't what God is calling everybody to do, but Scott just knew. Scott chose to give it away. Not because he didn't believe in himself. Not because he didn't believe, yeah, I could probably do it but because he knew exactly who God designed him to be. And I've never met a single human being in my life who is more honest and passionate about his second chair gifts than Scott Brugman. And it's so refreshing to be around. And the church is better because Scott lives in the lane that God designed him to live, and so does Sean. And both of them could stand up here right now and with all the confidence in the world say, I was built for this, exactly what I'm doing right now. See, our hope with this series is that you would be freed up in a lot of ways because the world is saying, you gotta be like that. That's the mold. You wanna be a leader? Everyone needs to be a number one leader, which by definition doesn't work. 
if everybody's the number one leader. Free you up. Not to be who you think you should be or who your parents think you should be or who the world says you should be, but who did God design you to be? Because there's critics everywhere. Do something for the kingdom of God, you will be critiqued for it. You will be criticized for it. Fill your lane, run in your lane, you will be criticized for it. But you can take criticism when you know who God made you to be because you'll bear fruit. And nobody can argue with fruit when they see it. And you'll experience peace as you do it. And I promise you, that is what you want. There is so much freedom found in that. You want to bear fruit. We need you to build fruit. We need you to fill your lane and live a life of purpose. Whatever God specifically designed you to do for the kingdom of heaven, to do it with every ounce of passion that you have. We need that. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 6. Once again, each person is given something to do. Each person, you, are given something to do that shows the world who God is. Everyone gets in on it and everyone benefits when everyone fills the lane that God built them to fill. Because you were built for something and you might not know exactly what that something is tonight and that's fine. I feel like our 20s, it's like the decade for us to try our strength and figure that out and investigate and listen to God. That's not a bad thing at all. I can't tell you what God designed you to be but I believe, he want, I believe with all my heart he wants to reveal it to you. And I believe with all my heart if you stop consulting yourself about who you were designed to be and start consulting the designer about who you were designed to be that he's going to begin to speak to you. God, who did you design me to be? God, what did you make, to be? What, what did you make me to be? What, did, what lane did you engineer me to run in? And there's a lot of visions and dreams and hopes and desires that are in your heart right now because God put them there, okay? So let those be clues. God put them there. You're probably passionate about A, B, and C because God wants you to do something about A, B, and C, and he designed you to do that. But on the flip side of that same coin, and here's just the warning, there are a lot of desires in our hearts that aren't there because God put them there, but they're there because we live in a number one world and we pridefully see certain chairs that we like and we convince ourselves that God is calling us to them and we mask it as humility really, really well. But we fool maybe the world, but not God. Don't chase the role you want when it's not the role that you were made for. See, some people in this room are called to a number one role and that is awesome. God designed you for that. We as the church need you to fill that lane. Embrace it. Go after it with all your heart. But remember, it's the best followers that make the best leaders. And good number ones were great number twos before that. And that number one chair comes with an invisible burden that nobody else sees or feels, which is why that chair is glamorous to everybody except the soul that is sitting in that chair. And that's not me speaking from experience. That is me sharing wisdom from friends and mentors and pastors that I'm very close to who are much farther down this road and know exactly what they're talking about. There is a burden and there is a price and it is rich in that chair, but not because of glamor, but because of a burden. In any lane, any lane that you walk in will crush you if you don't have the character to sustain it. 
in any lane that you walk in, if you're not called to it, will make you hate life eventually. So God, who did you design me to be? Who did you design me to be? If you're frustrated and fruitless right now in your life, start asking that question. God, who did you design me to be? I wanna lay down my dreams and my right to have a vision for my future, God. I wanna offer that up with open hands and if you want to take it from me, you can take it from me. That's a dangerous prayer. That's a dangerous prayer that ends up with fruit and peace in your life. Take it from me if you want or leave it if it's right. But if you take it from me, give me back what you have designed for me and give me passion for that lane because I want what you want way before I want what I want, God. I want what you want because you know what I want even more than I know what I want, so I want to want what you want me to want. God has no ranking system, no ranking system, only uniquely beautiful and vital parts in a larger workmanship that he prepared in advance for us to do as his sons and daughters who are far more known, far more loved, far more chosen, far more thought out and fearfully and wonderfully made than we'll ever dare to even imagine. That is you and that is me. God, what did you design me to do? Play a number two in a number one world, awesome. Reveal that to me, give me passion for that. Because I wanna bear fruit and I wanna feel peace. I want to bear fruit and I want to feel and experience peace in my life because I understand this whole, this whole life thing is not about me anyways. This is about Jesus Christ and building his kingdom and however I can most effectively do that is exactly what I wanna do because I wanna find myself caught up in the biggest story the universe shall ever know, contributing to the greatest mission on planet Earth alongside of Jesus Christ and surrounded by people who are just as sold out and as passionate as I am about this kingdom, regardless of what lane I fill. 